welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality, actionable insights and information on all things layer twos, rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. And they are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in arbitrage. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting-edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX Protocol is happy to be on Testnet and will be on Mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX Protocol on Twitter as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast, episode number 97 here today. Happy Monday. It is May 15th um, in the midst of a very important day, actually, for Ethereum, uh, because today uh, the governance proposal for Lido Finance is getting approved and passed, which was is the final step of the upgrade, in my opinion, for um, Ethereum Chappella, which is going to allow Lido stakers to unstake um, and, and basically finalize the uh, last inherent risk amongst many risks of staking with Lido, as well as just in Ethereum staking um, environment in general. So, yeah, pretty big day for, for this proposal to go through. Um, and it's fitting that we're talking today with Mati from Bravos, a, which is a wallet built on StarkNet um, to basically scale Ethereum. Um, and so all these things are happening all kind of at, at once. And I put a tweet out today that was saying that I'm pretty excited for a lot of the building that's happening uh, in the coming years. So, yeah, we're going to dive into StarkNet account, account abstraction, um, some interesting features of Bravos, what StarkNet's all about, um, and, and other cool topics. So, yeah, here, here is Rob as well, of course. Good morning, Rob. Um, and it's good to be back. Good morning, indeed. It is good to be back. We're going we're gonna to dive right into it. I want to hear all about <clears throat> how Bravos is approaching StarkNet. Um, obviously, the, uh, the Ethereum chain is, is scaling, and Layer 2s are very core to that scalability thesis. Um, so, Mati, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. And, um, yeah, could you, could you tell us a bit about how, how you see the, uh, the scalability of Ethereum, um, both with respect to StarkNet and then, and then how you approach this with your work at Bravos? Yeah, so, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here. Um, so, so, you know, for us, uh, Bravos is a team and, and, me in particular, we, we are kind of latecomers into crypto. So, uh, when, when we came, like, uh, there were 
quite a few layer ones that uh, uh, we can learn from, and uh, uh, and we start uh, we decided to settle on Ethereum, uh, and it, it was clear to us that Ethereum did the right trade-offs in terms of uh, decentralization, security, and scalability. So. Uh, opting in for uh, decentralization and security, but uh, then we have a, a serious problem with scalability. Luckily, we have rollups. And when we study the different rollups, uh, then uh, uh, we, you know, we came into the conclusion that uh, validity rollups, or if you want, ZK rollups are a better option than optimistic rollups. And in uh, invalidity rollups, Starting has by far the the most proven technology, battle-tested technology, and have the, the best chance to scale Ethereum uh, to hundred thousands and maybe more than that uh, transactions per second. And that's why we decided to uh, to settle on Starknet. We we believed and we still believe that uh, it will it will turn out as the superior L2s in terms of uh, scaling Ethereum. We've had a super positive experience with the community as well. Um, th there's something to be said about that too, uh, which is that there's there's a lot of um, initiatives happening to scale Ethereum, and there's a lot, there's a lot of an initiatives around different communities. But something about the Starknet community has a very very good vibe to it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to to kind of see how that tech um, can kind of form form and and come to fruition. And and, and I think what you said about kind of the overall tech of ZK and Starknet being better than optimistic tech um, is it, kind of like the basis of that community. So certainly excited to 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 see that come to fruition. Um, now, I'm curious about what your thoughts are as, as far as making the, the user experience um, even better as well. Right now, you know, a lot of users are using um, the OG, OG wallets like like a, a MetaMask and even, even a Rabi, uh, a Rabi wallet now, but there's still that kind of like problem of why is this not super intuitive? Um, kind of how, how do we, how do we help this, um, you know, grow to the point where it's able to be, you know, understood and used by kind of people who are new. Um, so yeah, broadly your thoughts on kind of like wallets um, and UX and then more, more specifically how Bravos is kind of pushing the frontier there. So, uh, you know, if to be frank, I think that uh, traditional wallets uh, have a very bad UX. Uh, you know, that the, they put a lot of burden uh, on user's shoulders. I know this is, uh, this is, or at least this was part of uh, crypto uh, ethos, but, um, uh, but it doesn't work for users. And we see that even uh, early adopters in crypto, and we saw that in the last bull cycle, even the 200 million, 300 million, uh, you, you can uh, you can name the number. Uh, uh, when they use crypto, they didn't use like real crypto. They use mostly the decentralized solutions like the FTX on the wall, the Celsius, the BlockFi, Voyager, and so so forth. Uh, uh, and, and we all know how that ends, right? That's uh, that, that's like the opposite of crypto. You get uh, in a bank which is unregulated, so the worst of uh, both worlds. But you cannot blame the the user because uh, these kind of services they offer them uh, a nice experience, an experience that they are familiar with uh, other apps that uh, that they use. Uh, whereas uh, crypto with the traditional wallets uh, offer the very 
an experience with very high friction. You know, you need to uh, understand about keys, uh, private keys, public keys, seed phrases, to make sure not to make any mistakes or all your money is gone, uh, to keep everything safe. You know, a lot of things that uh, everyday users uh, are not accustomed to. And even technical users, you know, it's, a, it's like a like a steep kind of uh, uh, endeavor that you need to embark on in order to to do that right. Uh, and, uh, and, and and you know, we, we just see pe- people. Most people don't want that. Uh, and it's certainly for for you know, from well, I'm looking at things that's certainly not the path to mass adoption. So. Uh, uh, for us at Blavos, that's the, the, the entire goal. The entire goal is to give a, a Web 2-like experience with Web 3 values, meaning give the experience that users are used to from uh, the application that, are, that they are using today, like, uh, I don't know, Uber, Uber and uh, Wall, Spotify, etc., but without compromising decentralization, without compromising self-custody. Uh, so, so enjoy the, the best of both worlds. And uh, uh, we chose to work on StockNet because uh, we can leverage uh, StockNet significant capabilities in order to achieve that. And StockNet has two things which are uh, prominent in this uh, in this uh, uh, in this endeavor to to reach a, a good UX for for, uh, for wallet. One is it has account abstraction built into the protocol, and we can dive into account abstraction a bit later. And as an Ethereum scaling solution, it has very low gas fees. So, although it uh, it inherits uh, Ethereum security and decentralization, uh, it brings a fraction of the cost in terms of gas fee, and it makes computation very very cheap. Uh, this basically means that we can do very large amounts of computation on chain uh, in a very economic way. Uh, and if we would try to do that on the Ethereum base chain, it would be it would be possible, maybe, but definitely uh, not an economical. Like each transaction would cost uh, each even basic transaction would cost tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars, etc. And here on Starknet, we are talking about uh, sub one dollar, and uh, hopefully it will be sub ten cents uh, going forward. Uh, and and that's a key feature in uh, in, in improving UX and and. Uh, if you like, we can we can give some tangible examples so users won't uh, won't have to speculate on what is mean, what what we can do with very low gas fees and account obstruction. Yeah, yeah, please do. I think that would be a, a really interesting to to cover some examples. Okay, so so maybe uh, uh, let let's uh, dive in a bit about the difference between traditional wallets like the MetaMask of the world and smart contract wallets like Bravos uh, uh, that. Uh, uh, you know, harness the power of account abstraction. Basically, smart contract wallets and account abstraction, let's use that as a, as a synonym, uh, uh, means that uh, each of your transactions goes through an account smart contract. So if you look at traditional wallets, like the MetaMask of the world, they are basically an application, which is what we call only client-side. It resides only on your computer or only on your phone. It uh, uh, helps you sign transactions and shows you the, your your account status on the blockchain. But basically, everything happens uh, on the client side. Smart contract wallets, on the other hand, has two sides. It has the application side, like traditional wallets, but it also has an account smart contract that is resi- resides on chain, and all your transaction goes through this uh, account smart contract before they interact with any other contract on the blockchain. 
Now, what that means, it means that we can uh, employ a custom verification logic on your signature and a custom execution logic on each and every transaction. And that's basically, you know, open uh, uh, a whole domain of, uh, of things that, uh, that we can do as, you know, as far as we imagine. And in Bravos, we really uh, started to harness this power uh, with, uh, uh, with a few things. So uh, the basic things is uh, around security. If you, you look at any uh, web to solution, you know, even, uh, even if when, when you are signing to an app and you want to order food, you have uh, a two factor authentication, right? You enter some kind of password and then you authenticate with, a, with your phone, either, either with, with an SMS or with uh, some, some sort of uh, authentication app or whatever. But in crypto, which holds uh, a lot of money, uh, we we don't have real two-factor authentication. You know, even if we have two signals, uh, they are two different uh, um, they are two different uh, keys, which are eventually um, one form of authentication. Maybe for the users, I will I will take a uh, for the listeners. Sorry, I will take a step backward and explain the three main types of authentication that use. Uh, uh, you know, in in uh, in security at large, not necessarily in crypto. So when we are talking about authentication, the three main types are uh, something you know, which is usually a text password, a PIN card, uh, some sort of pattern. Uh, something you have, which is a physical device. So if you have it, no one else has it. And uh, something you are, which relates to you, to your biometric identity. And a good form of security uh, uh, it takes at least two out of these three, and preferably not the first one, not the something you know, because it consider the weakest one. So, preferably something you have and something you are, but even if not that, so at least two. And in crypto, you know, we have uh, only the first one, like only something you know, only these twelve words uh, seed phrase that protects your your money. And if you think about it, even if you use a hardware wallet. The hardware wallet itself has a 24, 12 or 24 seed phrase, which is also something, you know, so if I steal that from you and I buy a new hardware wallet, I put that in the new hardware wallet and I have uh, your entire funds. And that's, that's a very bad form of, uh, of security, uh, because it's highly susceptible for phishing attacks. It, uh, it's extremely exposed to malware. Uh, a user easily forget that. Uh, and we all know the stories about that uh, people who forget the seed phrase and have uh, uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars locked in uh, in Bitcoin or in Ethereum or in whatever for a few good years. Uh, and part of the reason that you don't have multi-factor authentication in, uh, in crypto is that blockchains uh, don't really have a connection with uh, the external uh, the external world and uh, the the signature scheme that they know how to verify is is limited is it is not compatible with what we have in the external world for example on our security or on our strong security chips that we have in our mobile devices so uh, in Bravos, what we did we harnessed the power of account abstraction with the fact that we can have a, a custom verification logic for the signature and we said okay let's take the the very strong security chip and that we have in our iPhones and in our Android phones, generate keys that no one knows, like not uh, the application, not the user, not uh, the OS, not the front vendor. No one knows that. 
they are generated in an isolated uh, environment. And uh, once they are generated, this the security chip can sign transaction authenticated by biometric, and all these packages uh, verified with code on chain. Meaning it's not just that you enter the, the wallet app and uh, identify your biometric. That's nice, but it doesn't really uh, 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 verify that you signed your transaction with uh, with your biometric ID. Just that you 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 were able to access uh, uh, your application. Uh, and the fact that we uh, that we can do that, the fact that we can have custom verification logic allows us to uh, utilize that and use things like uh, Face ID or fingerprint ID and, and, uh, and, and top up the level of, uh, of security and present a true two-factor authentication, 2FA, uh, into crypto, I think, for the first time. So, so that's one thing. And, and, and that's, uh, if you think about it in terms of UX, you can uh, think that you are signing transaction on the blockchain, like you use Apple Pay or you use Google Pay. Uh, it's as simple as that. So you decide to sign a transaction, you authenticate with your face. And uh, once you authenticate it, then it's sent uh, to the blockchain and gets verified. Now, that means that if someone stole your seed phrase, no matter in what way, phishing attack, malware that you downloaded by mistake, whatever, they cannot steal your funds because they don't have your device and they don't have your biometrics. So, so uh, that's uh, uh, we consider that as a, an order of magnitude better security than uh, the traditional uh, way of doing things. Now, if that's not enough and you want to add an extra layer of security, then we have the multi-factor authentication in which you can add an additional device. So let's say for your Hotlin account, you don't want to just your phone and authenticated via your face ID or fingerprint, etc. cetera. Uh, uh, you want uh, two signals from two, from two different devices authenticated by something you know, something you have, and something you are. And only once you sign on these two devices, only then, and, and it's been verified on chain that, uh, that it's true, only then the transaction goes through and uh, interact with other contracts on, on chain. Uh, now, now, I feel that this is uh, um, a real jump in terms of uh, both security and user experience when we are uh, talking about uh, uh, crypto and blockchains. Yeah, that's uh, there's like th that's the pyramid that that Bravos is you know has been talking about and marketing just kind of those three levels, um, you know, the basic level right of kind of what a lot of uh, a lot of people have which is just kind of like a hot wallet um then you can even move into like a cold wallet then right then you can move into like social um social verification and um as you said kind of that level of of security with the with the face id and then you you move even further into kind of like multi-sig capabilities integrated with um other kind of biometrics and um you know Potentially even things like security questions, right? Like, um, like, like we have in uh, on like a website, like, oh, like, what is your your mom's, you know, uh, dog's name or something like this, right? Um, so, and the, the yeah, and Andy, think about it. That even security questions is something you know, and as we said, this is the weakest form of security. But we rather rely on something, something you have and something you are. Which is much much uh, much more harder to much harder to to steal or much harder to guess, uh, etc. So and think about it. Even cold wallets, 
eventually this is something you know because I can steal your seed and I can trick you to give me my seed, to give me your seed, etc. Now here I need to trick you to give me your device uh, and your biometric, which is much harder. You need to be really aware of doing that. And if you add the the, the multi factor, then I need to trick you to give me two devices and your uh, biometrics and your passwords, which makes it even harder. Are, are there any anon, anonymous users or privacy-centric users yeah, who are concerned about the link between their mobile device and the interconnected of all, interconnectedness of all the permissions that they grant to different applications on their mobile device? Are they potentially concerned about the link of that, those, the other applications on their phone to their wallet on the blockchain? No, so so there there is no link. I think that that's the beauty okay. of that. So the the data doesn't go up to any server. Meaning, let's say that you use Apple or you use Android, no matter no matter which, and, and, and all those servers go down tomorrow morning. It, it doesn't rely on any server. Your uh, your your private keys never leave your device. The more than that, the authentication, the the biometric authentication, is done directly. Uh, uh, from the camera, from the fingerprint sensor to the security chip. So there is no no application, no operating system that's in the middle. So uh, your data never leaves the, the device. And as I said earlier, no one knows that. So even if you want to give it to someone, you can because you don't know that. If the OS or the vendor wants to give it to someone, they can can give that either. And if uh, your cloud account is being hacked, then it's not there. So you know, it's being hacked. It's it's not pleasant, but it's li- at least they didn't take your keys. So the okay. only thing is to, to really steal your phone and to steal your biometrics. I, I think it's a really important point to drive home because the the potential concern that I've I've heard from a lot of users is this dystopian uh, CBDC social credit surveillance type of system when we start to bring personal identifying information like biometric data onto the blockchain, a lot of the um, value in blockchain and decentralized applications is the censorship resistance. And if, you know, if um, certain biometric data is brought on chain and there is a censorship party that is able to prevent uh, like, if you have a certain hair color or if you have a certain eye color or, or something like that and prevent you from making transactions in your wallet, I think that creates a very dangerous scenario. But you're saying that's not the case with Bravo. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. So- because we, we, we work very hard to make sure that it won't be the case. Like thinking your private keys to, to the iCloud or to Google Cloud would be the easiest solution. Also, you know, when we build a feature, we need to think about not only a feature as a, like a proof of concept or a demo. We need to think how it will, uh, uh, you know, continue living when you upgrade your phone to a new device, when you lose, lose your phone, when your phone is, uh, uh, breaks, etc. So we, we took, uh, you know, uh, to a great length in order to make sure that uh, all the edge cases are working and they are working without any centralized factor. Meaning there is no, uh, uh, no one can censor you. That, that's, that's a key part of the element. And another thing, it's important to note that your biometric is not being uh, registered on chain. Your biometric is only used in order to allow the security chip to sign the transaction. Okay. So, okay. so that, that's, and, and the, the keys are uh, bounded 
to this security chip, meaning they cannot leave the security chip. This is why this is something you have. If you don't have that, you cannot sign. No one can sign. You cannot, you know, you cannot tell anyone your private keys and they can sign for you because as I said earlier, no one knows that it's embedded within the, within the chip. Got it. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think the, uh, I think the capabilities of the security here, um, it, are, are going to be next level compared to anything else that we've seen. Like it makes, it, it, it could make the experience of just transacting on, on your phone, especially on StarkNet, which is going to be so, which is currently very quick and cheap and it's going to just keep getting better. Um, it, it'll likely make the experience far, far better than what users are currently doing, which like for me personally is like firing up my computer using a ledger and having to physically do all these transactions and click, click, click and all this stuff. And again, the security measure there is what is what I know or, or basically what I know to, to be true that is, you know, written down somewhere. Right. And so it's so, yeah, that that capability, uh, those those security measures combined with the capability of StarkNet makes for a very, very, very powerful storm. And I'm excited to see it um, kind of come to come to fruition. And a, a lot of things that people are doing right now on StarkNet from what I've seen uh, and from what you guys are also incentivizing is, is, is the StarkNet Pro Score on Bravos, um, the, this recent Starkfighter campaign, um, a lot of education around account abstraction and, and the security pyramid, um, as well as preparation for the StarkNet airdrop um, and StarkNet governance. So um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious about what you what you personally are kind of expecting um, about let's just say the next three to six months on Starknet with uh, kind of a lot of projects getting live, um, you know, a lot of users coming on, expecting airdrops, trying to build up their pro score. Kind of what what is your short to, to, to medium term kind of view and expectations? And then I think once we kind of get a, a good idea of that, we'll be able to. Hit some questions and some and some thoughts for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, currently StarkNet is in a transition. So uh, uh, StarkNet is going through a, a semi-process of regenesis in which uh, there is a move from Cairo Zero to Cairo One. Cairo is the programming language that we write smart contract on StarkNet, unlike Ethereum, which uh, uh, we write in Solidity, and on StarkNet we, we write in Cairo and now, in order for the network to mature, we need to move to the next, uh, uh, the next level of, uh, of the Kyle programming language. And this will take place in the upcoming months or two. Uh, and another thing that is very exciting that will take place in, uh, in, in, uh, I believe a month or two or even less than that is, uh, um, uh, let's call that StockNet speed up. I think that uh, we will see a tremendous increase in, uh, Transaction per second, uh, and really the like the first um, uh, the first sign of true scalability of Ethereum, which is meaningful, like much much more meaningful than anything else that we saw in the industry, and that's right around the corner, and that's very exciting both uh, for us, you know, as as as, uh, as a team who's uh, been developing on the chain for for quite a long time. Uh, it's exciting it, from from two from I think two different aspects. Uh, one, uh, you know, high, higher TPS uh, means that we will get the lower trans, even lower transaction fees, 
And lower transaction fees means that we can uh, have even greater computation on chain and improve uh, the user experience uh, uh, e even more. Now we touched, uh, previously we touched about the, uh, the security aspect that we employ in account abstraction, but account abstraction allows us to do uh, many more things, things like uh, to have a built-in pay master, meaning you can pay for a transaction gas fee in uh, any token that you have in your wallet, you don't have to have eat. So I think that we all know the uh, scenario in which you want to do something with coins that you have in your wallet, but you don't have enough ETH to pay for the gas fee. And that's really annoying because now you need to top up the wallet with, with ETH from somewhere, but you don't really need, need the ETH for the transaction just to pay for the gas fee. Uh, uh, so with, uh, with a built-in paymaster, you won't have to do that. Uh, uh, introducing things like uh, and daily withdrawal in it, like we have in TreadFi, right? When you use your ATM card and... Uh, you want to withdraw uh, uh, from from the ATM, you have a limit to how much you can withdraw. And usually that's a good thing because you don't want, uh, if someone stole your, your account, to be able to empty the entire bank account. Uh, so with account abstraction, you can have a daily withdrawal limit. And if you uh, surpass that limit, then uh, maybe you need two-factor authentication or three-factor authentication, or you need to wait 24 hours, et cetera, et cetera. So, as I said earlier, we can program anything uh, to the execution logic of, uh, of a transaction. We can also address the fact of, uh, I call it the hit by a bus scenario. Uh, what, what's happening? What will happen if, you know, I go, I go in the street tomorrow and I will get hit, hit by a bus? What will happen with all my crypto? Uh, uh, so this is kind of a, a wheel that, uh, that uh, I can embed into the account. Uh, so as, as you can see, like the, uh, the possibilities are endless and you can, uh, you can program everything into that. And since, as we said, Stockness is, is, is getting mature and starting to move out of alpha uh, having very high TPS and uh, low transaction fees, we will be able to introduce more and more capabilities into the wallet. Now you touched upon Stockness journey, and uh, I think this is an interesting part, you know, from our community, which is like a growing community, I think uh, close to 100,000 people and, and, and growing. Uh, uh, many newcomers that come to Starknet, they, they are coming, they heard about Starknet somehow, uh, but then they say, okay, we heard about Starknet, we know about Bravos, we installed the wallet, now what to do? They want to test the network and they don't know what to do. And for that, we create uh, the Starknet journey, the dApp gallery that shows all the dApps, both on testnet uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and mainnet, uh, with the right links and uh, the right functionality and guides you through uh, the journey of uh, getting to know Starknet. Uh, and once we had that, we also created uh, the Starknet protocol that gives you the level of uh, your proficiency uh, within uh, uh, within the Starknet ecosystem. And I think that the feedback of uh, you know of the community and especially users that uh, embark on Starknet to this uh, is, uh, is extremely positive. Uh, and uh, and we are very excited about that. So if if we have here the uh, listeners or viewers that uh, still have not embarked on Starknet and they want to try that, then simply download uh, download Bravos, go to the DAP gallery, and, and uh, follow the, the Starknet journey and guidelines and improve your your Starknet post score. Yeah, that's right. I think it's a good as ever for our uh, secret word Stark, which we will uh, come back to in a bit. But um, happy to be here, of course, with the Bravos community. If you guys have made it this far, which you guys are absolutely rampant savages in the best way possible. So I know that you have 
and you are still watching. And yeah, you made plenty of plenty of good points. Um, you know, from from the first user experience perspective, using Arbitrum and Optimism is like lightning fast. And then when I've been using Starknet Mainnet, it's quite it's quite a bit slower, and you can notice it that it's not as fast. So I'm definitely excited for that um, for for that upgrade for Bravos as well as for myself. All users um, excited for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of users are following the ProScore campaign, kind of listening to what you guys are promoting um, in an effort to kind of be on that airdrop list. I think a lot of people are excited about that. But also, I think a lot of people are, are, are excited just naturally and organically about StarkNet. So, um, yeah, I mean, Rob and I have been doing our StarkFighter, our Pro Scores on Bravos. We've got our StarkNet IDs, have got LP positions in Jedi Swap, 10K Swap, getting ready to... To, to use ZKX, uh, have bought some NFTs, have made some NFTs on Brick. Um, I've got like a Starknet zombie or punk or something. Um, so yeah, definitely been messing around quite quite a bit, and I'm very excited. Yeah, it's good, and I, I think I think we've you touched um, a lot about account abstraction, and it's a very important concept, and and. I think just, again, differentiating the, the idea of a smart contract wallet, which is more like a hybrid um, smartphone versus like a, a MetaMask, which is more just like a, a physical wallet that holds cards and bills. Um, I know it's hard to kind of c c compare the two, but the functionality is just, yeah, is, is far better. And I, I can't really foresee a world. I think you touched right on the point. And I think you touched right on the point and your example is, is excellent. Like uh, smart contract wallets are like smartphones and uh, traditional wallets are like feature phones, you know, like the old Nokia phones that we used to use. Uh, so both devices can make calls, but in smartphones, you can, you can do much more than calls. So the analogy is that, okay, so both wallets can sign transactions, but with smart contract wallets, you can do much more than that. Uh, uh, similarly to what you can do with your smartphone compared to uh, to feature phone. And uh, if I were to guess, I think that in five years' time, all wallets will be smart wallets, meaning we won't have any more uh, feature like uh, traditional wallets that all they can do is, uh, is is generate key and sign transaction. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I don't understand how any wallet can compete with a, a wallet which has account abstraction natively integrated into it if if said wallet does not. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. Um, now, what are your thoughts broadly on StarkNet governance? Recently, Rob and I have put up a proposal to um, be a StarkNet delegate, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about uh, how the StarkNet governance has been going so far, uh, some of the recent proposals, and how you guys are going to um, kind of participate. So, so the you know we have a very high respect to the Stalker team. I think that um, they are uh, um, you know extremely smart and well-rounded people, and they put in a lot of thought on how to build a foundation and how to decentralize the protocol. And, and and it's I think it's really exciting to to start seeing that in the past few months come into play. So. You know that uh, uh, the, they announced that the token will be uh, minted, and it was already minted. And then they announced the uh, structure of the foundation, and now the foundation really, you know, is, is is coming to life. There is a chairman for the foundation. There are people who start working and pushing 
uh, the community and the network forward. And uh, this is uh, uh, significant steps in uh, in the road to full uh, uh, full decentralization, and that's great. And I think that also the balance that uh, uh, the Stalker team created within Starknet and the foundation, giving a voice to the, the builders on the platform, giving a voice to uh, the community delegates, giving a voice to uh, you know the early supporters uh, and backers that um, uh, help Stalker build uh, the platform. It's uh, uh, it, it's it's extre- extremely important, and I think it really uh, will serve the network in the long run because it will incentivize uh, very uh, I would say long term kind of uh, uh, good behavior or long term kind of building and thinking about uh, the network um, uh, how, how the network is best to flourish then a very short term kind of uh, uh, potential for for gains uh, and so so you know we, we see that happening uh, really in, in these days and weeks uh, and uh, I don't think that there is a finite date for that when uh, you know, the foundation will take uh, full control over the network, uh, but uh, we are getting closer. And and maybe you ask also, how do we participate? So, uh, you know, part of the foundation is the Builder Council, and, and part of us is a prominent uh, member in the Builders Council. You know, we, we are a wallet. Uh, and by the way, we also have a DEX that we have developed on StockNet. Uh, that, that we are fully... Um, uh, focus on Starknet. We 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 truly believe on uh, the future of the network and the ability to scale Ethereum. And even when we got uh, a request from the Ethereum foundations from the team that is working on uh, account abstraction to come and uh, bring brothers to EVM chains, uh, at least for now we are currently very focused on Starknet because uh, uh, we believe it. If we, it uh, will provide us uh, the best tools that we can to scale and to give the best experience for our users. So uh, we try to help and we try to influence within uh, within the uh, the builder council and within the you know within the uh, the network that we have uh, the people network that we have within the community. Uh, it, I think it's an advantage that we've started building on Starknet. Uh, Kind of from the start, we didn't start uh, with Bravos. Uh, you know, we we wanted to test first, like how how good Starknet is and what you can do on Starknet, and how frightening is this new programming language, the Cairo programming language that uh, that I mentioned, uh, as opposed to Solidity. Um, and so we started with something smaller with with a DAX, which uh, uh, very quickly became became very popular, uh, and uh, and from that point. Uh, uh, we said, okay, there, there is, there is solid technology. There is a good thing. There is a lot of things to work with, and and we we went all in. Wonderful. There, there certainly is lots to be excited about on Starknet. Um, it, it's partly the the value that is unlocked because of the Cairo programming language that allows for account abstraction, and then thus, you know, greater scalability, um, which kind of brings about all of these applications that are beyond the the traditional financial primitives we've seen primarily on EVM chains. Um, and as like, as Andy mentioned, you know, we're, we're going to be governance uh, delegates for StarkNet. So 
we're we're really interested in hearing like both from the token holder perspective as well as from the project perspective what Starknet could do to facilitate a healthy ecosystem. They've obviously done a great job so far. Um, a lot of it is treasury management of Starknet. Um, a lot of it is as well kind of cultivating successful partnerships in the space. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what what do you do? Do you have any like requests? Like, if you were as part of the the Starknet Foundation, you know, what what would you pioneer? What would, what kind of initiatives would you lead? Well, we are a part of it, but uh, I, I think that, um, as I said earlier, we build here for the long term. We are here to uh, scale Ethereum, uh, to scale crypto, and to onboard uh, the masters onto crypto. And if we will circle back to the beginning of, of our discussion, then uh, we want to bring the uh, Web 2 kind of experience without compromising on Web 3 values, without compromising on decentralization and self-custody. And I think for that, you really need to think for the long term. You need to think about technology. You need to see how you uh, improve and get TPS to uh, hundreds and then thousands and then even beyond. And I think uh, you need to incentivize uh, building new things, cool things, uh, not only things that uh, have been built on Ethereum and simply replicate them on, on the network, like uh, like we see on other networks, but uh, really new things that uh, the cheap computation enables, uh, and that's uh, that's I think where we as, uh, as 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 a community that cares about the network should should push for. Yeah, totally agreed. And and how how are you guys certain? Currently doing that within the uh, within the Bravos ecosystem, um, you mentioned like there's uh, you know there's this journey, and you guys are co- certainly cultivating a community. Um, is there a token that is uh, is a part of that that journey? And then uh, if so, how do you intend to use such a token uh, to to incentivize members of the, the Bravos community to build new things? Um, and and kind of grow the ecosystem. Oh man, so, the so, billion so, dollar so. question. Yeah, well, hopefully more. But uh, um, you probably know it's a further question, but we cannot really comment about the token. Uh, what I can say is that um, uh, I I think I repeated a few times the, the world values here in the, in the school, and we value greatly decentralization. We think that's the that's the main reason to be in crypto. Otherwise, uh, let's build on AWS or let's build in Bitfy or, or whatever. The, the fact that we have crypto is because we have uh, centralization, we have censorship resistance. No one can, you know, put the plug off on on anything that we do. And this is this is a core part of our value, and this is what we believe in. And uh, uh, and this is where we will strive eventually uh, to be fully decentralized. Uh, so I know it's not completely answering your questions, but uh, but hopefully in in a partial way. Yeah, no, that that's quite all right, and it it is a build strategy for the long term. Um, you know, in your answer, you basically said like the token isn't necessary to incentivize builders to build cool things here. It the product speaks for itself, and the main product is a a decentralized network of cheap compute. Um, or even even, yeah, but also affordable. the the application themselves have to be decentralized. 
and and to, to decentralize the application themselves, whether there are uh, infrastructure applications like wallets or uh, you know uh, DeFi or whatever, uh, th- that's also a core part of the the process. Because even if Starkly is fully decentralized, but let's say wallets are not decentralized, then we still have um, you know a failure point. We still have a a point in which uh, um, a strong, uh, a strong regulator can censor, or, uh, or, or, or you know, anyone who gets control over, um, or can can censor, and we don't want that. Yeah. So uh, when I say decentralization, I, I mean the entire ecosystem has to be decentralized, not only Starknet itself. Yeah, for sure. And guys, once again, secret words, Stark. Um, just kind of wanted to come back here. Uh, and kind of wrap us up. It's very excited for the future of Bravos and what you guys are building, Mati. Very much appreciate your time today. Um, I guess just one last question for you that we like to ask people is uh, if you had to pitch StarkNet to one person in the entire world, who would it be and what would you say? Good question. Um... I think that any serious player within crypto already knows Starknet, so it has to be someone outside of crypto, which is open-minded enough and influential enough that, uh, you know, might shift the uh, the mindset uh, and uh, and its power uh, to benefit crypto, and I would go with Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio. Nice. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I don't think we've had anyone say Ray Dalio on uh, on the podcast. So certainly unique. And uh, I, uh, you know, he has he has very respectable opinions amongst the TradFi ecosystem. Haven't seen him break into crypto so much yet. But with uh, Starknet um, delivering the promise that that the promises that that they've made um, and, and you've made, um, I think those types of of uh, offerings like Web3 applications and all the the benefits of decentralization um, with Web2 experience are certainly desirable to uh, any any expert of TradFi, Ray Dalio uh, included. So that's a that's an interesting answer. Cool. Thanks, it, Mati. Yeah. It, was, it was a pleasure having you on. Same guys, it was re- a real pleasure. Andy, Rob. Uh, Hope to see you again soon. Come visit uh, us in Tel Aviv. And if not, we will see each other in Stockton, CC. Yes. Yes, we will. Sounds good. Cheers. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.